Oh, I love those videos. Uh, good morning. My name is Eric. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Mosaic. I just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you are here today. Uh, I haven't tried this in a couple weeks. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Excellent. Uh, very cool. Hey, real quick, uh, I want to do something. Uh, everyone pull out your phones if you have a smartphone. I think there's one person in here who doesn't have a smartphone. She has a dumb phone. You got one? Oh, that's right. Give Anna a hand. She has a smartphone now. She's the last one I knew with a dumb phone. Um, all right. Type in on your browser or your Google, mymosaicchurch.com. Do that for me, please. And some of you guys are like, our church has a website? I had no idea. Here you go. So um, this is a place where you can do lots of different things. If you've never done that, check out our website. Um, but if you just scroll up a little bit, you have a big button right there. It says small groups. You can click on that button. It'll take you to a list of all our groups. Uh, we've gone green, and so we decided not to print off a list of our groups to save paper. Isn't that great? And so it's all digital right here. You can read the descriptions of the groups. And if you keep scrolling, you can, you can uh, even sign up for a group. Uh, as well, on the front of our page, um, we have asked people who've asked about it. Online giving, right there. Boom. You pop it, and it takes you to the page. You can give this morning if you didn't bring your checkbook or at the end of service. Uh, can someone grab Freddie? I think I'm ringing quite a bit, and we need him to fix it, or Matt Anderson, or Sean, or Jerry, or someone. Give our tech team a hand. They're phenomenal. <laughs> Seriously, um, if you don't know, this is a school uh, five days a week. It's not a church, actually, most days of the week. Um, make sure that gain's still up, though, for the recording. Uh, and so we have to uh, set up and tear down every single Sunday, and that just always causes just some issues. Uh, are we good now? Cool. Thanks, guys. Give my hand again. Thank you so much. Uh, we are in this series called Stay Positive, and it's been a fun journey. We're back in the book of Luke, and uh, today we're finishing up this series, and then next week we're going to take a, a short pause again from our, our book of Luke study, and we're going to be looking at parenting and, and having, how do we have a godly home through the lens of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, and just how do we have a home that's blessed? How do we have a home that is Christ-like? And so uh, I'm really excited about that, starting, that series starting next week. And then we'll jump in back into Luke in March and wrap up our series. Uh, but before there, was, uh, before there was Jimmy Fallon, before there was Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Kimmel, before those late-night talk show hosts, there was a guy named Johnny Carson. How many of you guys remember Johnny Carson? Yeah, Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson, in his day, he was the dude of dudes. He was the king of late-night. He kind of pioneered this whole genre of late-night comedy. And he's the one that gave a lot of comedians, a lot of actors, a lot of bands their big break. And uh, the sidekick for the show, I don't remember his name, his sidekick? Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, yeah, Ed McMahon. He would sit down on the couch kind of opposite from, um, um, from uh, Johnny uh, Carson and with different degrees of success try to be funny along with the guests. But his big part of the show was, uh, do you remember, anyone remember what he would say every night to introduce Johnny Carson? Yeah, here's Johnny. Uh, he'd do it much cooler, though. And that was kind of Ed McMahon's job each night was to introduce Johnny Carson for 4,530 episodes of The Tonight Show. That's a lot. That was his job was to introduce Johnny Carson each night. Well, there's another guy you probably have never heard of. His name is John Searing. He grew up in New Jersey, and he was an art supplies salesman, which I think is just a great job. And he loved watching Johnny Carson. And he put one thing on his bucket list. Before he died, 
he wanted to introduce Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. That was his whole, like, dream in life. And he, he was an adult, like, you know, mature guy. But his one dream is, man, I want to go on The Tonight Show and introduce Johnny Carson. So he sent a letter to Johnny Carson. Dear Johnny, I would love to just once do Ed McMahon's job and introduce you and say, here's Johnny. Well, Johnny Carson's staff was gracious, you know, replied back to him with a nice, you know, form letter and an 8 by 10 signed photo of Johnny Carson's smiling. And they assumed this would be the end of it. Well, this was his dream, though. And so he really, really, really wanted to introduce Johnny Carson. So over the next couple years, he handwrote over 800 letters to The Tonight Show. And it's like, hey, it's Johnny Searing again. Uh, guess, what, uh, guess what I want to do? Like over and over, letter after letter after letter. And to his credit, he never really escalated things. He never stalked Johnny Carson. He never threatened him. He never tried to meet him. He was just very, very persistent in this dream of his to introduce Johnny Carson on Tonight Show. Well, finally, after 800 letters, he finally gets a response back from Tonight Show saying, all right, we've heard you. Your dream is going to come true. Just please stop sending us letters. So they fly him out to, uh, to the Tonight Show, give him a, 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 you know, a dressing room with his name on it. And, uh, you know, and then the show begins. And as the show starts, he's in his dressing room, and he hears Ed McMahon do his normal part. Here's Johnny. And John Searing is very confused. He's like, I don't understand. I thought they flew me out this whole way to do the introduction. That's why I thought I was here. Well, they had a big surprise for him. Instead, they actually brought him out on the show, and Johnny Carson introduced or talked to him, interviewed him for about six minutes. Like, why do you want to do this so much? Why is this your dream? And they talk, and then the, uh, they send Johnny Searing over to Ed McMahon's booth, and then in the middle of the show, he gets to introduce Johnny Carson again and does his big, here's Johnny. And so everyone, you know, cheers and, and claps for him because this is his big dream, and Johnny Carson comes out, shakes his hand. He's like, okay. Now, please stop sending us any more letters. You can actually look it up on YouTube. It's not very good quality, but you can see the clip of him uh, of getting to do his dream. Because John Searing was persistent, because he was persistent and just again and again and again asking to do this thing, he was finally able to do his dream. And today, our big idea is that persistence pays off, that persistence pays off. Persistence pays off. If you want to have a good marriage, you're going to have to learn to have persistence. If you want to raise good, godly kids who love the Lord, you're going to have to learn some persistence. If you're going to do ministry or, or run a business or lead anything, you're going to have to have some persistence. If you're going to be a good athlete, if you're going to be a good musician, whatever area of life you want to be successful in, you and I are going to need some persistence. And the great thing is that Jesus actually talked about this, about how important it is to have persistence, to not give up. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Uh, the scriptures will also be here behind me. You can follow along in your Bible app if you want to. Uh, but before we dive into God's word, would you just join me in prayer? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Luke, a doctor who carefully investigated everything that you did. And then he wrote it down so that we have your words and your actions today. Uh, so, Jesus, we ask that you continue to be here this morning. I pray that uh, these would be your words, not my words. God, that uh, we would learn how to be persistent in the things that matter. Uh, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's read uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. This is Jesus. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. 
He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Will he not give justice to his elect? Now, in this story, we have two main characters. We have the judge and we have the widow. And they are totally different. First, you have a man and a woman. And the man is in a position of power. And the woman in our story is powerless. The man is prosperous, is a wealthy guy. And the woman is penniless. The man, as a judge, was in a position of authority. And the woman was very humble in a very vulnerable position. In that culture of Jesus' day, women were really thought of as second-class citizens. It was actually very uncommon for a woman to even be able to own her own property. And that meant that if a, a woman's husband died before her, there could be complications from her even just receiving the inheritance of her husband's land or, her, or his possessions. And as a result, many widows were taken advantage of. They were ripped off. They were not given justice in the legal system. And that's why the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, talks a lot about how God's people are to love and care for widows, for single women. That's one of the reasons that here at Mosaic we want to love and serve and honor widows and single moms. Amen? Amen. And we see in this woman a tragic tale of a widow who has been horribly wronged. We don't really know what happened. We don't know if she was beaten, robbed, abused, taken advantage of. Maybe her husband has died and then his assets are tied up in court. We're not sure how she's been wrong, but we do know she needs justice. And there's only one person who can give her justice. Now, what would generally happen is there's three ways to pursue justice. Number one, you could pay off the judge. <laughs> you could bribe him, but she's a poor widow. She has no money. Number two, you could threaten the judge. Well, she has no power. Or, number three, you could continue to just be persistent. You have to muster up the courage to keep marching forward in the face of adversity for the sake of justice. And that's what she does. Now, there's a couple of things we know about the judge from Jesus' story. Number one, he doesn't fear God. Number two, he doesn't respect man. He doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man. But isn't that kind of the criteria to be a good judge? Like you fear God and you like people, right? That makes a good judge. He's 0 for 2 here. This is a bad resume for a judge if he doesn't fear God. And what that means he doesn't care about the laws of God. He doesn't anticipate that someday he's going to stand face to face before God and have to give an account for his actions. He also doesn't care about people. He's the kind of guy that if you're suffering, suffering doesn't, really, doesn't really bother him because it doesn't touch him. If you're victimized, he doesn't care. If you're ripped off, he doesn't care. If it doesn't affect him, then why should he care about you? That's the kind of guy he is. We get the idea he's a little heartless, a little cold, a little cruel. And here's this widow up against this powerful man. But she persists, she persists, and she keeps seeking justice. And eventually, the judge says, that's it, fine, I'm going to give her justice. This woman has worn me down with her persistence. I get the idea, I kind of picture, you know, he gets ready for the day, he puts his judge's robes on or whatever, and he comes outside, and there she's standing there. She's like, all right, judge, yes, I would love to walk to work with you. Like, you need to give me justice, you need to give me justice. He's like, no, stop it. 
And then, you know, goes, does his job, comes out for his lunch break, and there she is. Like, come on, judge, let's keep walking. Like, I need justice, I need justice. You know, at nighttime, when he goes home to his family, there she is. I need justice, I need justice. Every time he's around his family, his friends, she's like, come on, judge. You know I deserve justice. This is your job. You haven't given me justice. This is what you're supposed to do. And she keeps badgering him. She's persistent. She's relentless. She's brave. She's courageous. She's a strong woman. And eventually, like a cage-fighting granny, she gets him in a chokehold and wears him down. And he taps out and says, fine, fine. I don't fear God, but I'm afraid of this gal. Like, her persistence has worn me down. It's a great story. Now, when we hear, when we read a parable of Jesus, there's some questions we should ask. Questions we ask is, what character am I like? What character can I connect with? Do I resonate with? Who do I relate to and how? Now, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Is how am I like the judge? How am I like the judge? Now, that's a question we don't really want to ask ourselves because... All of us, we'd rather identify with the victim. See, we love to be victims. That puts us in a position of power, because then people owe us when, when, we, when we've been hurt, when we've been wronged. And yes, some of us have been hurt and wronged. But first, before we get to the, the widow, I want each of us to examine our hearts. How am I like the judge? See, we're all sinners. None of us are perfect. We've all come up short from God's perfect standard. And so first, I want you to ask, how am I like the judge? Number one, do you fear God? The judge didn't. Do you fear God? Do you respect God? Do you honor God? Do you obey God? Do you submit to God? Do you follow God? Or like the judge, do you say, you know, God doesn't really factor into my decision making. Do you fear God? Number two, do you truly care for people? Do you truly care for people? Or like the judge, do you not care about people? Not just in theory, but in practice, the judge sees this woman in need. She's suffering injustice, and he does nothing. He's in a position where he could serve her and bring her justice. He doesn't. His is a sin of what theologians called omission. Now, she has been wronged. Someone has wronged her. She has an adversary, and that person has committed what's called a sin of commission. They've done something wrong to her. But sin is not just the bad things that we do. Sin is also the good things that we don't do for God or for others that we should do. And so this judge is, by withholding justice, it's a sin of omission. He could render a verdict and bring justice, but for the longest time he doesn't. Sin isn't just doing bad things. It's also not doing the good things for others that we have the power to do. Who could you be helping and you're not? Who could you be serving and you're not? Who could you be defending and you're not? And I know these are tough questions because we don't like to think of ourselves like the judge. But we can't just theoretically in our heads value empathy, compassion, love, mercy, respect, and generosity. We have to have a lifestyle that actually embodies and demonstrates those stated values. If we looked at your schedule, does it reveal a real care for people? If we looked at your, at your budget, at your checking account, does it reveal a real care for people? Or are you like typical people today that has an attitude of compassion but not a lifestyle of compassion? And that's what the Bible says is hypocrisy. You might say, well, I really care about people. Well, but who are you helping? 
Well, I love him in my heart. Well, great. Open your wallet. Open your mouth. Get your hands dirty. Serve somebody. Love is what you do. Amen? Love is not just a feeling in your heart or in your mind. Love is what you do. We won't be judged by our good intentions or what we intended to do. Instead, God's going to look at what did we do? Who did we love? Who did we serve? So we need to ask the uncomfortable question, how am I like the judge? Who are those people that I could be helping, serving, defending, but I'm not? Number two, how can I be like the widow? Not how am I like the widow, but how can I be more like the widow? Now, I want to think of her not just as a victim. She was strong. She was persistent. She doesn't give up. What good things are you striving for? She keeps striving for justice. What is it you need to keep striving for? Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Persistence pays off. We should all strive to be a little bit more like the woman in this story. A penniless widow facing off against a powerful judge to fight for justice. That's awesome. Who do you need to fight for? What do you need to fight for? Your marriage, your kids, what is it that God is calling you to fight for? And whatever that is, we need to ask honestly, is that thing worth fighting for? You can't fight for everything. And just so you know, not everything's worth fighting for. Some of you are warriors and you'll fight over anything and everything. Feel free not to. You might be driving us nuts, okay? <laughs> Some of you won't fight for anyone, for anything. Feel free to pick something to fight for. You've got to prayerfully, carefully consider what is worth fighting for. What is worth being persistent for? Jesus is worth fighting for. The church is worth fighting for. Justice is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Single moms, children from all backgrounds, victims of abuse, they're all worth fighting for. What are the things worth fighting for for you? What is that thing that God has stirred in your heart and maybe you haven't passionately pursued what is that one thing that God is burdening your heart for? What is God laid on your heart that you have to be persistent for? And ultimately, Jesus tells us this story so that we would be persistent in prayer and not lose heart. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to lose heart when we're praying about something. But Jesus says, don't give up. If a godless judge who doesn't care about anyone, would finally give in and do what's right. How much more will our Heavenly Father, who loves us, who is a good and perfect judge, how much more will he respond when we are persistent in our prayers? I want to unpack a little bit about prayer because I know in our community of Mosaic, there are people who have a huge experience in prayer and some people who it's still just a very unknown thought of how do I pray in some ways prayer is simply talking to God the Bible is primarily how God speaks to us and prayer is primarily how we speak to God and those things go hand in hand to have a healthy relationship you need to have a two-way road where you are communicating you are listening you are communicating you are listening and the same with our relationship with God there has to be a two-way conversation. God primarily speaks to us through Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives us nudges. You probably won't hear the audible voice of God, maybe. But primarily, God will speak through Scripture. 
through little nudges, through little things in, in your heart as you pray, as you quiet your heart. We have to have this two-way conversation with God. I know some of you struggled to persist in prayer because you just think, man, I tried that. Prayer doesn't work. But prayer does work. God answers prayers. God hears you. But see, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he just says later or not now. God is like a good parent. A good parent wouldn't say yes to every single request, right? How many of you are parents in the room? Quite a few, yeah. What would your kids be like if, if your answer was yes to every request they made? Right? Can I have cotton candy for breakfast? Sure. You know, can I skip school? Sure. Like, if you said yes to every single thing your kid wanted, like, we'd be terrible parents. Sometimes we have to say no because we know better. Because we love our kids. And sometimes the answer is just not now. Like, if my son Joshua, who's seven, like, you know, wanted to drive our car, no, the answer is not yet, right? But when he's 16, 17, 18, yeah. And so sometimes God answers us the same way. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no because he sees from a different perspective. And sometimes the answer is just not yet, not yet, later. And he might say, you know what? Not yet, but keep persisting. Keep asking. Because sometimes we're like, prayer didn't work. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. Sometimes prayer moves the hand of God, but sometimes the purpose of prayer is to change our hearts. That's why the Bible says to pray even for our enemies. Why would God tell us to do that? Why, why would, should we pray for our enemies? So that our hearts can be molded into the likeness of Jesus. So that we're not bitter, calloused, uncaring towards our enemies. As we pray for them, begin to grieve for them, we start to want good for them. But God changes our hearts as we pray for even our enemies. A couple things about prayer, you can write this down. Number one, things that your prayers don't have to be. Your prayers don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have all the right words. You just start talking to God. Maybe you've never really prayed before. And you've been worried or nervous because you're like, I don't have the right words to say. You don't have to be eloquent in your prayers. Just start talking to him. He's your heavenly father. He loves you. He just wants to hear from you. Uh, a few weeks ago, my family, we were on vacation. And think how weird it would be if my kids approached me like this. You know, dearest father, we'd first like to thank you for your kind provision in our former days. Furthermore, we know that you have the ability to grant requests, and we acknowledge this great, gladly. Furthermore, in addition, our subpoint is this, that we would beseech you, though undeserving as we are, that perhaps in your great mercies, we could please have some ice cream. Right? Like, that would... Like, if we're on vacation and someone else saw that, it'd be like, dude, your kids are weird. Like, you are a stranger, right? No. My kids walk up to me. It's like four words. Dad, ice cream, please. It's like, heck yeah, I'll give you some ice cream. Or the answer might be like, no, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Now's not the time for ice cream, right? It might be later. You don't have to have, like, the, the best words. Don't worry about being eloquent. Just, just talk to him. He's your dad. He's happy to hear from you. Number two, your prayers don't have to be lengthy. Your prayers don't have to be lengthy. Sometimes you can pray long, sometimes you can pray short. Just like when you talk to your parent. You know, when a kid comes to their dad and says, Dad, we need to talk. Sometimes it's a quick 30-second conversation. Sometimes it's a longer, 30 minutes, you know, a couple of hours of talking through. It's the same with talking to your Heavenly Father. 
Your dad loves you. He's there for you. So your prayers can be short. Sometimes they can be long, but you don't need to pray for a long time for God to hear you. That's not what Jesus is saying about being persistent. It doesn't mean that you have to, like, you know, cross a certain line. Oh, oh now my son or dad has prayed for, you know, 30 minutes. Now I'm going to start to listen to him. No. You can pray long. You can pray short. Just talk to him. I have a church planner friend. He prays a lot. You know what his favorite prayer is? Two words. Lord, help. Lord, help. That's a great prayer. He prays that all the time. It's a good prayer. If I heard that from my kids, you better believe I would show up. Dad, help. Like, I'm going to be there. I don't need a long request. Just let me know. You and I, we're welcome to talk to God for hours. You're welcome to talk to God for seconds. We can spend time, long conversations talking to God. You can also send up short prayers. God, help, please. Your prayers don't have to be eloquent or lengthy for God to hear you. He just wants to talk to you. Number three, your prayers don't have to be repetitive. There isn't like you have these certain magic phrases you have to say again and again and again. Think about it. If we were out on vacation and my kids were like, Dad, ice cream, 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 right? That would be pretty annoying. You don't have to just repeat the same thing over and over and over again. But when we pray, we want to persist in prayer. Just keep talking to your dad, working it out. Let him know where you're at. Sit down, have a conversation with him. You don't have to have the right words. Just talk to him normally. You don't have to speak like it's King James English or anything like that. Just talk to him. Short conversation, long conversation. You don't have to repeat yourself again and again, amen? All right. Some of you, your prayer life, just that's a fancy church word for how you talk to God. It's not where you wish it was. I think there's some reasons why. I want to cover those real quick. Here's why maybe your prayer life isn't where you hope it was. Number one, maybe for some of you, your prayer life isn't great just because you're praying at the wrong time of day. Like, there isn't anything special about, like, you know, praying at night or in the morning, whatever it might be. Because if you are, like, you know, praying and you're like, dear Lord, thank you for sleep. I appreciate it. You know, like, that's the wrong time of day. If you are consistently falling asleep while you pray, that's the wrong time of day. Also, like, maybe you're in the wrong place. Like, for me, like, I just struggle, like, to pray for a long time unless I'm walking. And so I, I have to walk. I have to walk outside or, or walk around in the gym when I'm here praying. Because if I sit down, then I, I get kind of sleepy or my mind wanders. Uh, and for me, walking helps. You know, it's just, it's just like sometimes you have, you're those friends. Some friends, you sit down on a cup of coffee, you have a great conversation. Some friends, it's better to go for a walk or do something. You're side by side and you're talking. If your prayer life's not where it is, then maybe you need to try a different time, a different place. We can talk to God anywhere, at any time. So if you're falling asleep, maybe that's not the right time. You know, maybe you shouldn't be laying in bed with your eyes closed. You know, like that's not the right time to pray. Number two, maybe your prayer life isn't great because you're just totally disorganized. You're just totally disorganized. You don't have a list. You don't write anything down. So when it comes time to pray, you're like, okay, God, let's pray. Um, I don't remember. God, be with that one guy with that thing and that thing he has to have done. Okay, amen. Right? Like, because you don't even remember. When someone shares something with you, have a journal. Have a note on your phone. Keep that note. And then when God answers those prayers, you can mark that off. In your journal, if, if, if you're a writer, write down the things you're praying for. When people... 
share a prayer request with you. Write that down. If you're in a small group, I encourage you, you know, um, take those prayer requests. Send them out to the rest of your group. Maybe you want to print that list off. Put it in a place where when you pray, you can see those prayer requests. Uh, for me, I, I hate writing. I'm a digital guy. So, you know, I pull up emails when, when we get those emails from our small group. Oh, yeah, this, oh, I forgot. That's what I need to pray for. Keep a list of things, uh, a note on my phone. If you're just completely disorganized and just kind of spur the moment in all your prayer time, your prayer life isn't going to be where you want it to be. It's okay to come to God with an agenda of having a list. Okay, God, here's the things I want to talk to you about. You're like, all right, come on, hit me. This is good. Let's talk about these things, you know. Keep a journal. It's going to help you to focus and to know what to pray for. Number three, maybe your prayer life isn't where you wish it was because you ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting. Maybe you just close yourself because you've thought prayer is just a one-way conversation. We need to be open to the, the still, small voice of God's Spirit, of his nudging to us. I heard this, uh, I shared this in my small group this weekend, and it made me think of it. Years ago, I think 20 years ago, I was at a youth uh, camp, and I remember the speaker saying that if you feel this small nudge inside of you to go do something for someone else, and like everything inside is like, no, that's so scary, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give a compliment to this person or put my hand on this person and, hey, can I pray for you? When you have that thought that goes against everything naturally you'd want to do, because you're like, I'm an introvert, I don't want to do that, that's probably the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because naturally we're not going to come up with those things. If you feel that nudge, ah, I feel like I should pay for that person's lunch, I don't want to because that's my money, that's probably the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you feel that nudge to do something for someone else, to pray for someone else, it's probably the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more you listen to that voice and, and obey it, the more clearly you will hear it. And the more you shut it out, the more it'll just become background noise. It's kind of like when you set an alarm in the morning. If you consistently kind of hit snooze and you just ignore your alarm clock, pretty soon you won't even hear it anymore. You're just going to ignore it. I, I love seeing the wives nudge their husbands. It's so funny. <laughs> we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When God brings someone to your mind... Pray for them. The Bible says don't resist the Holy Spirit. Maybe when you're driving, when you're doing something, and God's bringing someone to mind, that's God telling you to pray for them. You can pray out loud for them or pray silently. You could call them up and, just, yeah, hey, I just feel like God wants me to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now on the phone? The Holy Spirit is always bringing people to mind that we can be praying for. And here is what really encourages people. Let them know. Send them a text or an email, a Facebook message. Give them a call and say, hey, I just want to let you know I prayed for you today. That is one of the most encouraging things people can hear. I know for me, personally, it is when people text me and they message me, hey, I just want to let you know I was praying for you today. Man, that is so huge. Can you imagine what our church would be like, what our families would be like, that if someone came into our mind and we just prayed for them right then, and then we sent them a text, hey, I was praying for you today. How encouraging would that be as a community if we're doing that for each other? And it's scary to take that step of faith. But as you do, it'll become easier. Persevere in prayer for people. It's good for them. It's good for you. If you don't know what to pray for, if you come to your prayer time and you have no list, then ask people, hey, what can I be praying about for you? Is there anything I can be praying about? When you ask someone, 
most of the time they will say yes, even if they don't even believe in God. Oftentimes they'll say, you know what, yeah, I got this situation, you can pray about it. Um, a couple months ago I was at a restaurant with Brian Stevens. He doesn't know I'm going to share this story. Sorry, Brian. Um, but we were out to eat, and Brian did something that was very inspiring to me, and I've tried to do a couple times. I don't always do it because I'm scared, too. Uh, but as we got ready to order our food, the waitress came by, and Brian just asked the waitress and just said, hey, uh, we believe in a God who answers prayers, and we're just wondering if there's anything I can do, anything I can pray for you about. I thought, man, that is awesome. Even just your, when you go out to eat at a restaurant, just tell them, hey, we're going to pray over our food. We believe God hears our prayers. And as we pray and bless our food, is there anything we can pray about for you, too? Try that. See how that blesses people. And maybe, maybe there's someone you've been working, you know, at your cubicle. You can just say, hey, this week, uh, my pastor gave me some homework. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to ask you, what can I be praying about? You know, and see what they do. See how they respond. Maybe there's something they're struggling with that they've never shared with anyone. Or they just... They're just waiting for someone to care enough to say, hey, what's going on that I can be praying about for you? What I love about God is that God meets us where we are and slowly moves us along into deeper things. We've talked about this before, but God slowly meets us where we are and meets us where we are and slowly moves us along to deeper things. Maybe, again, prayer is something that's new to you, and the idea of being persistent is just, it's, I don't know. God meets us where you are. And just will slowly lead you into deeper things. Maybe you have been praying your whole life. And you've been swimming in the deep end. God's going to meet you there and it's going to lead you into deeper waters. To more trust. Into, into a deeper prayer life with him. See, occasional runners like me, we don't suddenly ent enter an Olympic marathon. I went to my first outside run a couple days ago and man was I in pain. <laughs> I don't run a lot. I run a little. Um, but, you know, I would never sign up for a marathon. I'd have to train and, and you know, slowly start here and, and get to that point. It's the same thing with prayer, with any spiritual discipline. God meets us where we are. He says, okay, take that next step. Let's go deeper into it. I encourage you, if you're in a small group, just share that. Hey, this is something new to me. Can you help encourage me in this? And let's, let's, let's figure out together, how do we walk deeper into this? If we continue to exercise the discipline of prayer, we can expect to pray a year from now with greater authority and spiritual success than we currently do. Your prayer life, your relationship with God can be different at the end of 2018 than it is right now. But it takes persistence. It takes doing it on a regular basis and, and, and pushing yourself. It is possible to learn to pray with more effectiveness. It is possible to learn how to grow our ability to pray. And unlike the judge who finally gave in because of the woman's persistence, God is not bothered by our persistence. In fact, sometimes he's moved by it. We can look at Luke 11 and Jesus tells a story that sometimes God is moved by our persistent prayers. God is not irritated by the fact that you keep asking and asking and asking and asking. God is not bothered by that. In fact, God is honored by your persistent, consistent prayers. Don't quit asking. Don't quit asking. Because your persistent prayers has the potential to move the heart of God. Did you know that? God is honored by your persistent, consistent prayers. 
And one final challenge. Are you praying big, bold prayers? I want to challenge you. If God answered every one of your prayers this week, if he said, okay, yes to everything, how different would the world look? How different would your community look? How different would your, the lives of those around you look? Or would only your life look a little different? That's a challenge for me too. Because so often we can just turn our prayers on just ourselves and what we're going through. But let's be bold in our prayers. As we pray for justice, as we pray for peace, as we pray for God's hand to move, that chains of addiction would be broken. That those who feel on the outskirts would find community and love and belonging. That the moms in our community who don't feel like they're ever good enough because they're pulled in a million directions would feel that God, their father, loves them and he is proud of them. Let's be praying for those in our community. Let's be bold. Let's ask God to change hearts and lives and minds. I invite the band to come on up. And before we close our service, we're going to have a time of prayer. I know there are many people in this community who are hurting. And God is not bothered by your requests. God is not bothered by your heart for that person in your life that you are praying for. Is there someone in your life who has not yet experienced the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ? that you've been praying about and you're ready to give up. God says, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. The answer might just be not yet. Is there some situation in your life that you are facing and, and, and you're ready to give up? God says, don't give up. Keep praying about that thing. Keep being persistent. I'm going to pray to close us. I'm going to invite you to stand. And then uh, me, Justin, and Rihanna, part of our, our prayer team, we're just going to be down here in the front. And again, it can be a scary thing, but I want to take that bold step. Get out of your chair. Come forward. Have someone pray for you. Pray with you. Stand with you as you pray. Let's bring our needs, our requests to God. Let's be bold. Let's be persistent. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are not bothered. You are not irritated by our persistent requests. And like a good dad, you know what's best for us. So God, as we bring our prayer requests to you, we humbly submit to your will, knowing that you know what's best. But God, we're going to keep being bold. We're going to keep being persistent by praying that chains would be broken that those who feel alone would feel hope and community, that those who feel shame would feel the release of your grace and they know they could find forgiveness. God, I pray for those who are just, have dipped their toe in the water of prayer. God, that you would meet them where they are and lead them into a deeper walk with you. God, I pray that this week and this month, this year, as your Holy Spirit nudges us, God, that we would obey, that we would listen, that we would pray for each other. 
God, I thank you that you meet us here. So God, as we take these next five minutes just to meet with you, we know that you are here. So help us take that step of faith and just uh, engage with you. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite Justin around to come on down. Again, during this song, it just says, come to the altar. Altar's kind of a fancy place. In church, we talk about it, it's the front of the church. In the Old Testament, that was the place where uh, the holiness of God was evident. When Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was broken. And now we don't have to enter through a mediator. We can meet face-to-face with God. But sometimes it helps just to have someone put a hand on your shoulder and just to listen. Say, what are you going through? How can I pray for you right now? Whatever you share up front will be kept completely confidential. I encourage you to take that step. Come down. And even if you want to just come down and, and, and just talk with God, there's something about the way our, our, our body, minds, and souls are connected. And you take that step of faith, that literal step of faith, it does something to our spirits and our souls. As the band plays, I want to encourage you to come forward, receive prayer. Let's sing.